Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is the Big Friday episode. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I'm realizing that my board is sort of cockeyed behind me today. I don't know why. It is what it is. It's cockeyed Friday. You can find me over on social at Dan Bespris. You can locate this podcast in many places, depending on where you want to find it. Spotify, iTunes, any place podcasts can be found. We're also live on YouTube daily these days. And it's been fun to see the uh, incremental but also pretty quick growth of the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. Thank you, everybody, for what you've done to make that happen. And thank you for tuning in and hanging out with us here on this lovely Friday morning. Today's show, as uh, you guys have all come to experience and know, and uh, anybody new that comes and hangs out with us now, this is the Big Friday Recap. We'll go through everything that's happened basically over the last seven days and list out ads, drops, holds, watch list guys, injury replacement names, buys, sells. We've also got a segment that's pretty quick, but we zip through it. Things that we're looking at in each of the 30 teams coming up over the weekend. It's a little bit of a rehash because a lot of the names we're watching are guys that we talk about during the first uh, very large segment of the show. And then, of course, if there's any time at all, we'll do a couple of questions. Usually it's pretty tight here on this Big Friday show, so hopefully folks got their stuff in right when I open the chat room. You guys are the ones that are probably going to get your questions answered. If you guys have some big overarching questions, I would uh, I would encourage you to throw those in there. Those are the ones that I'm more likely to do if I'm short on time, stuff that I think that can apply to a lot of people all at once. But let's just go ahead and dive right on in again I assume you guys will find me over on social. Also, please do take five seconds just to hit the subscribe and like button here at the front end of the show. It's super easy to do. We've got a lot of stuff going on, and I think you guys are going to want to be a part of it. I am a low-tech user here on YouTube. So you guys get a Microsoft Word document, but it's got the names there so you can see what I'm talking about. And that way, if you lose track, you'll be able to figure out what they are. Beginning with the ads. Derek Lively II is the first name on my ads board, and I went back and forth on this one a lot, and I want to spend some time on each of the names on the ads list because there's a little bit of nuance to this. Lively's currently ranked number 108, and he's doing it in only 24 minutes per ball game. which, and I've said before, I said it a couple times, I think even earlier this same week, he reminds me a lot of Nick Claxton before he started to turn a corner which, again, came with additional playing time. That was part of it. But also, a lot of it with Claxton was just sort of the overall growth of putting the pieces together. The interesting thing right now is that Nick Claxton is shooting 62% from the field and 71% at the free throw line. And Derek Lively is almost a flip-flop of that. He's at 73% from the field and 64% at the free throw line. Lively's field goal percent is likely to come down. We don't really know if his free throw number is going to move all that much. But he's at 24 minutes per game. He's at .6 steals, 1.1 blocks. Claxton, limited sample size theater, 26 minutes per game. He's at half a steal and three blocks a night. That's a number that's probably not going to hold. But these guys have a lot of parallels. Claxton's at 10 points and eight rebounds in his 26 minutes. Lively's at nine points and seven rebounds in his 24 minutes. They really do parallel each other. And we always kind of knew that Claxton was going to come into his own in fantasy value. We just didn't know when it was going to happen. It was really hard to time. 
And that, of course, is the same issue here with Lively, who's young, raw, figuring things out, certainly the Mavericks' best rim runner, with Dwight Powell kind of hyper-aging, if that's a thing. He's like that Robin Williams movie, Jack. He's got old really fast. Uh, which means that it feels like over time, the trust in Lively seems likely to go up as opposed to down. And I know that these rookies... Man, I don't know if you guys could actually hear my neck crack there. That was disgusting. Apologies. Uh, Yes, there's up and down stuff for rookies. There's no question that that's going to creep in and be a part of it. But the, the best fit line, the slope of a trust line for rookies, is usually shallow and up. And I'll try to go opposite on myself so you guys can see it here on the YouTube screen. It's it's going to do a lot of waving on its way, but usually if you look at, like, November, the trust factor here versus, say, like, February, it's usually higher in February. Does that mean more minutes for Lively? I don't know. But if the trust goes up, one would hope that the minutes creep up with it, and he's legitimately right now within, like, two playing time minutes of consistent fantasy value. And so that's why I think you got to add him and just kind of hold on through the ups and the downs here. There are going to be some bad ones. There are going to be some good ones. But it feels like at the end of it, you're probably in pretty good shape. I put Tim Hardaway Jr. on the list. I'm, you guys know I'm not the big Tim Hardaway Jr. guy. I just, he's number 91. And it always feels like it's kind of hanging on by a thread with him. He's hitting almost four three-pointers a game, 19 points on 14 shots. He's also shooting 91% at the free-throw line, which seems likely to come down. Frankly, I think the 44% from the field probably also comes down when you consider the shot distribution right now for Hardaway, who's a career 42%er. He has had stretches where he's shot 44-45%. One of them was actually with Dallas like two and a half, three years ago. So it's not impossible to suggest he might shoot 44% for the year. It's not impossible to suggest he might shoot 40% from downtown. He's had a couple of seasons where he shot 39%. It is probably impossible to suggest he's going to shoot 91% at the free throw line. It's also somewhat reasonable to assume his steals probably come up from 0.3 to like 0.5 in 27, 28 minutes of ball game. The rebounds, do they stick? Do they fluctuate? It doesn't really matter all that much. He has carved himself out a nice little role on this team of bench gunner. The usage is basically as high as it's been since he left New York, which is like, that's the good sign. Can he keep up 14 shots a game? Will Luka and or Kyrie miss enough basketball games to where the I'm taking 12 shots a night will balance out with the 15, 20 games of he gets to take 18 or 19 or whatever it is? Maybe. Maybe, but I think it's good enough right now to add and at least kind of see how it plays out. And, you know, if he hits a prolonged, brutal shooting slump, then you probably move on from it. Bobby Portis is the next name on the list, and he feels like someone that I almost could have put on the injury replacement board because his ascent has not coincidentally timed with Jay Crowder going out for a long stretch with whatever abdominal situation. And so all of a sudden now, Portis, over the last three or four ball games, uh, his scoring has gone up after kind of teetering around in like the 11, 12 points per game range. By the way, on the season, he's at 13. But a lot of that's because his last three games, he's scored 13, 19, and 18 points. 
and that's basically since Crowder went down. His shot number hasn't changed a ton over the course of the year. It's up over the last five games, which is actually a little bit longer than Crowder's been hurt. But his total shots this year is down overall. His total minutes were down overall until Crowder went down. That's the big thing. So forget about like how many shots he took on November 8th against Detroit. He got 14 looks in that ball game. You want to look at the trend line. And the trend line here is Crowder got hurt and Portis' minutes jumped from like 21 a game to more like 26, 27. It's been a significant jump, like a 25-30% jump in his playing time over the last one week of basketball. And that's exactly what he needed to go from that for, that kind of like 140-150 range to probably inside the top 100. And this could be a couple of months because Crowder's not coming back anytime soon. So Portis needs to be on rosters. He was probably over-rostered prior to the Crowder injury because uh, he gets points and rebounds and people get weirdly, you know, gooey about those. Uh, but now he's going to get enough of them to actually be a 9-cat guy in addition to like teetering on the brink of points league. Talked about him on yesterday's show with Josh Lloyd. Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, belongs probably, calling him an ad is way too late to the party because he's been top 50 so far this year. He's going to come back to earth. He's going to come back to earth, but he's someone that looks like he could potentially, if his knee holds up, sustain rest of season value. So he's someone that belongs on rosters. I don't think we need to spend that much time on him because we have a lot of other names to talk about and there isn't a whole lot more to say about Bogdan other than you know, 14 and some odd points, two and a half boards, three assists. That, that type of stuff feels relatively sustainable for him. Uh, Three-pointers, maybe they come down if his shot profile changes a little bit. I know he's making uh, a lot of twos at the moment. That is a high percentage of them to sort of counterweight the three-pointers. But again, even if a lot of this stuff comes back, it's not enough to push him outside the top 100. And he's always had the fantasy profile to be a guy inside the top 100. He's just never been able to stay upright. So far, he has. No keywords there being so far, but, you know, whatever. Alex Caruso is the next name on the list. So this one's kind of like a double whammy. Caruso's number 75 in 9-cat. And some of that's because his, you know, defensive stats are absurdly high. And he's shooting 61% from the field, which is just not a sustainable number. Some of this is because we've heard that the Bulls are exploring trades for Zach Levine. And if they're exploring trades for Zach Levine, that means they're also quietly exploring trades for Vooch, who I don't think can be moved for another month. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, who could be moved anytime they want. And presumably this man, Alex Caruso. But if he has any window in Chicago when those other guys get moved and he doesn't, then you're talking significant Caruso upside. He is a difficult play in head-to-head because he plays himself into injury often. And he doesn't score all that much. And everybody in head-to-head is always looking for points for whatever reason. But Roto, especially games cap, when you know he's healthy and playing, he's a guy that is doing uh, enough right now to where he belongs in lineups. As does the following man, Kevin Herter, who's hotter than the sun right now. He went from being in that 140 range to now number 62 in the span of basically three basketball games where he's averaging like six three-pointers a night. I just, so, you know, looking back to last year on Herter, he did finish, I think he was around number 90. Let me double check this while we're on air. 
where did Herter finish last year? Exactly number 90. On 48.5% from the field, only 73% free throw shooting. He's not a great foul shooter, but he was at 15 points, 2.7 threes, three boards, three assists, a steal, basically, on a decent field goal percent and not great free throw. Now, this year, he's shooting 83% at the foul line. His field goal percent is lower than last year. The world hasn't really leveled off yet from a fantasy standpoint. There's a lot of low sample size stuff going on. There's like 30 probably guys behind him that'll move up the board. There's probably 15, 20 guys in front of him and blah, blah, blah. His rebounds are also up, which I don't know that that's something that's going to stick. Do I think he could be top 90 again this year? Yeah, why not? Seems repeatable. Keegan Murray's doing more, but it seems so far like Harrison Barnes is the guy that's going to do even less for the Kings. It's not even really clear what Harrison Barnes is doing these days. Um, So, sure, why not? Kevin Herter, play him. Seems like a top 100 guy. Not going to be a top 60 guy the way he is right now. And just remember, he had these runs last year, too, where he shoved his way up the board towards 50, and then he'd have really cold runs where he'd fall back towards 100, and he bounces back and forth because, for better or worse, He's a streaky guy. Karis Levert, he's been a repeat offender on this ads board, but I thought some folks may have doubted it last week. The main guys in Cleveland are not healthy. Darius Garland missed the last ball game. Garland and Donovan Mitchell are each questionable for their game tonight. Maybe you have an update by the time you watch this particular episode of the show. First of all, Karis Levert has been like teetering right around the edge of the top 100 when the team is fully healthy, which is playable in a lot of formats. And then so far, Garland's only played in six ball games, and I think Donovan Mitchell missed what one game so far. So you've had five or six games, almost half to this point, where Levert has been able to play basically a starter level orchestrating role. His percentages are always going to tank you, which is uh, a, a a downside that's just not going away with Levert anytime soon. But right now he's at 19 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, and 1.2 steals with two three-pointers, mind you. And turnovers are not bad. And so the fact that he stinks in both percentages actually hasn't been bad enough to sag him down. He's number 80. And it just feels like he's going to have opportunity all year so that feels like a guy you should probably just leave on your roster. Keontae George, also a repeat offender on this board. He's still not inside the top 200 on the season, and I get it. Like, there's a lot of reasons to be super skeptical about what he's going to be going forward. But over the last week, he's averaging almost 10 assists a ball game while only shooting 29%. What do we think is going to happen with those? I'll venture a reasonable guess, going way out on a limb. The nine assists probably come down a little bit. But at the same time, this is a Utah team that badly needed someone to just hand the ball to scorers in the right place. And God love him, Taylor Horton Tucker could not do that. Couldn't just get a guy a ball in the right spot. Couldn't just penetrate and dish. Couldn't run a pick and roll the right way. Keontae can do those things. Right now, he's just on the floor long enough where he absolutely must be on a fantasy team because a starting point guard in the NBA is hard to find and one that certainly, one that excels at passing over the other stuff has just a built-in value. Now, what we don't know about George is where's the field goal percent going to land? Where's the free throw percent going to land? Is there enough upside in steals to balance out what will probably be difficulties with field goal and or free throw percent? 
And is he even really going to be involved in the scoring side of things? But all of those giant question marks, like, they're not necessarily going to be bad. They're question marks because we legitimately don't know exactly how this is going to turn out. And if a few of those things pivot slightly towards the positive direction, then he becomes a rest of season play. To answer the question that I know is coming, if I have him in a roto team, I'm probably not starting him. Head-to-head, I am. But if I have him on a roto team, I'm almost definitely squatting on him to see what happens. Last name on the ads board is Bilal. Bilal. Kulbali. Kulbali. We're doing this together, guys. He's actually top 50 over the last week, but he's shooting 64%, so you know that ain't going to stick. He's had almost two steals a ball game, which I don't think it's going to stick, but we do know that he has defensive prowess. It's just hard to average a number that high. So the scoring is going to come down. The threes are going to come down. The field goal percent is going to come down. Where does that land him long term? We don't really know. And the Wizards are such a cluster mess right now. Like the largest, grossest cluster, you know what, in the NBA. So one, we don't know what his role is going to be on a day-to-day basis. We don't know what his role will be when DeLon Wright comes back because that was something that had put, that had kind of pushed Cooley, as we started to call him, Coolably, down the board a little bit. Not that he wasn't still playing, but he wasn't getting like 30 minutes of ball game. Do the Wizards ever actually let Tyus Jones play, or is this actually more of a showcase to try to move him somewhere else midseason? Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. What the hell is this team? When you have that question, what the hell is this team looming over a ball club? You kind of have to take a shot on the guy that might get a whole bunch of garbage playing time. That's the story. Holds. These are the holds. They are on the holds board because I think they're kind of tough holds. But to me, they need to be held on to because you're not going to find somebody on the waiver wire who has the upside that these guys have. That's basically why you're sticking with them for now because of either they've done it in the past or role has been weird. And here's those names. And I don't think we need quite as long an explanation on all of them because you guys know for a lot of these guys what they've been able to do. Again, quickly, take five seconds to like and subscribe in between category boards here on the show. And please, again, do find me over on social media. The easiest way to do it is actually just to do a Google search for Dan 
from Sports Ethos or Dan from Hoopball, and I'll pop right up there on Twitter. It'll be so easy to do. Here's the holds. I'm going to read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine names right through, and then we'll go back. We'll loop back to the ones that I think require additional explanation. Here's the nine names on the holds board. Clay Thompson, Denny Avdia, Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Daniel Gafford. You may have noticed that four names in a row there are starters on the Wizards. Josh Hart, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, Bruce Brown. I don't think you need an explanation on Clay Thompson because dude's been, you know, as high as a top 25 fantasy play in the past. He's obviously not that guy after two catastrophic injuries, but he was a top 55 guy the second half last year. And there's sort of no reason for me to believe that his leg got worse during the summer off. He just can't see a shot go in right now. Same with Andrew Wiggins. That team is uh, in a bad way. You may have noticed, by the way, that Wiggins is not, not on the hold board. Um, and that's because between Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, one of these guys has the fantasy profile to get to top 50, and the other one has the fantasy profile to get to, like, top 85 or 90. So which one of those guys are you willing to take a shot on? The one that can be top 45, top 50 if things break right. Denny Avdi has a hold uh, mostly because he's actually been able to put up good enough fantasy value in with the minutes bouncing all around so far, so that one probably doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Tyus Jones is a hold because we know he could be a top 50 guy if he actually got to do anything. His minutes have been all over the map. The Wizards just, like, aren't even letting him do stuff. His steal rate is down. His assist rate is weird. Um, he may end up as a drop and re-add later on, but... Not yet. And then Jordan Poole, you got to figure at some point he's going to just go, I'm crazy. I'm going to take every shot that they will let me take. And, uh, you know, if that happens, then you uh, you probably want to be on board for the lunacy. Daniel Gafford, he's been a fantasy asset even in his weird minutes. Josh Hart, no explanation needed. If he gets 30 minutes, he's a play. He was top 65 in 30 minutes with New York last year. The question is whether or not he's going to get those 30 minutes when R.J. Barrett is back. Or, if he, instead of being a hold, is an injury replacement name this year. Uh, I don't know that Jalen Suggs needs to be on this list. He's been a little quieter the last two or three ball games, but overall, he's still averaging over two steals a game while only shooting 38.5% from the field, so there's actually room for him to improve. Markel Fultz is one that probably requires an explanation because he's dealing with repeated injuries now. Not a good sign. But, maybe at the same time, it explains a little bit of his clunky start. Now, that could actually be a part of it right now. So uh, I would say don't abandon ship. If you can stash him, you probably want to stick with it. If you can't, I get it. Do what you got to do. Um, but I think if you can wait and see that one through, he still has the chance, I think a very good one, actually, to get into that 90 range, and those types of point guards don't grow on trees. And then Bruce Brown, uh, I'll admit, is teetering a little bit for me. Um just because he really doesn't seem like he's doing a ton, but he's number 106, and to me, that's good enough to hang on to, so just stick it out. Oh, I screwed something up on my, my board here. I was trying to separate each of the categories by page, but I messed this one up. Oh, well. Uh, here's the I'm scared or nervous slash drop board. Andrew Wiggins has officially made the I'm actually very nervous here zone. Honestly... Well, at least while Steph and Dre are out, you probably need to hang on just to see if this is his chance to wake up. If he doesn't wake up while all the opportunity in the world is at his fingertips, then you probably have to drop him. 
Sadiq Bey has had two better shooting games in a row, but overall he's a drop or what we can call a schedule play, meaning when a team has, you know, three games in four nights or four games in six nights or something like that, these types of guys are still playable. Slow-mo and Minnesota, schedule-level play. And then Malik Monk. Well, I wasn't certain if he could maybe play his way into a role even when De'Aaron Fox is around, but it looks like he's more of a points-assists guy that you're going to want to roll with when the schedule lays itself out. Right now, his field goal percent is very low. Um, he just hasn't been able to do enough other stuff when Fox has been in the lineup, and so his minutes have actually kind of taken a hit in those. At some point, you're going to get the Malik Monk mega heater ball game, uh, and then you're going to pick him up, and you're uh, then going to get hit with the, the opposite side of that. Uh, but whatever. I mean, you guys, I think, catch kind of understand how this one goes. Watch list names. Spencer Dinwiddie is on my watch list. He's obviously looked a little bit better here uh, with Brandon, or not Brandon Simmons, Ben Simmons out. Um, and, you know, one huge ball game followed by a kind of a quieter one. The issue that I have with Dinwiddie is that he takes a lot of free throws, and historically he's been either a neutral or even slightly below neutral guy in that department, and he's not shooting them well so far this year. He's always been a bad field goal percent guy. We just talked about Malik Monk being points and assists only, basically, and that's kind of what Dinwiddie's dealing with. But if there's enough for him to do, and right now with Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons out, there's probably enough to play Dinwiddie. I just think when either of those guys comes back, and I don't know that Simmons ever does, but Cam Thomas is going to come back at some point in the next week or two. I think at that point, Dinwiddie probably doesn't have enough usage to warrant a play, even if maybe he does right now. Uh, Brandon Pajimski is the next name on the board. Um, and this again, may be a short-term thing. He's like around top 120 over the last week. The, uh, Stephless Warriors, he's gonna do more in those scenarios. And especially now with both Clay and Wiggins struggling mightily. I, I don't know that the fantasy game necessarily holds up full term. He's sort of your hustle point guard where he's grabbed 15 rebounds in his last two ball games. He has eight assists, six three-pointers in those two games, but only one steal. So it's just not really clear that he's going to do enough fantasy-wise, but he does belong on watch lists because maybe the Warriors go hard in a new direction. Just like, hey, give somebody who's young a chance to mess around a little bit and see if they can hustle their Warriors to a win or two. Um, I think he's 20 years old, Brendan, so um, still room to grow. It just doesn't strike me as probable that Steve Kerr just sort of lets him roll outside of, again, these games where everybody's hurt, and the Warriors have lost five games in a row. Similarly, with Dario Saric on that team, and I have a number of Warriors on the watch list, uh, with Draymond suspended for another four ball games and Steph out, I would guess another couple... Although I guess they kind of hope him to, ha to they're ha hoping to have him back sooner. I don't know. Like some of it depends on the opponent. Sharich is going to see more playing time here with Steph out because they need a little more offense as opposed to someone like Kevon Looney, who I think will play more when Steph comes back. So could you try Sharich for the games that Steph and Dre are out? Yeah, you'd probably be able to wiggle top 100 out of him, maybe top 110.
But as soon as Steph comes back, I don't think there's going to be enough left for Sharj to do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he still continues to get, you know, mid-20s. But he's not a break-the-bank kind of name. And neither is Kevon Looney, who usually steps up when Draymond is out. But that is often sort of contingent on Clay, Wiggins, Steph being in there and serviceable. And Steph is not in there, and Clay and Wiggins haven't been serviceable, so Looney hasn't been that good either. So all these guys are kind of watch list for me right now. I don't I don't think that I could pull the trigger on any of them. And then maybe the most obvious watch list name we've had in for two and five five years running now at this point is uh Jonathan Isaac, who I just flipped past on YouTube for some reason. Isaac is number 122 over the last week in only 16 minutes of ball game. I continue to make just the one single solitary point. If Jonathan Isaac hits 20 minutes for any reason at all, he's an ad. Cam Reddish is on my watch list. He's been on a steals tear for the Lakers, but I also think that as soon as Jared Vanderbilt and or Gabe Vincent show up, that that probably puts a hole in it. And there's no guarantee that he's going to get three or four steals in any given ball game. And the other ones, it's just, okay, can he hit some corner three-pointers? Yeah, putting a lot on the line there with a reddish ad. Miles Bridges. He's, I put him on a watch list. I know a lot of analysts will probably just have him on their ads board. But you know what? I don't care. Because I'm trying to win this year without Miles Bridges. You don't have to do it that way. I get it. If you want to pick him up, this would be the time to do it. Because he's coming back. But I don't want to do it. Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart are on my watch list. Uh, neither one of them has been able to solidify a spot, even when Jalen Duran's been out. So, feh. Jordan Hawkins is on my watch list. I think a lot of analysts probably have him as an obvious stream. But in 9-cat, he's been outside the top 125 over the last week. His shooting percentage is the big sag. So if you're punting field goal, it's a very different story. If you're in points leagues, it's a very different story. If you're a 9-cat and you're trying to win field goal percent, He's been basically doing more bad than good during his fill-in time. This is something you have to be aware of. And then, Half the Grizzlies is the next name on my list, because I couldn't think of a better way to, d- to describe it. Marcus Smart is going to be out. Jaw's still out. The team is in disarray. Can JJJ wake up? Uh, what about Santi Aldama? He's one of the guys that has interesting fantasy appeal. David Roddy actually has fantasy appeal, but will any of them actually have a job consistently on this team? I mean, obviously, JJJ will. So let's watch. Let's find out. Grizzlies are, to me, a team to watch. I think they're off again, and then they have a back-to-back coming up, I believe. But there could be something there. Here's the injury replacement board. Duncan Robinson is locked in as a Tyler Hero replacement. Reggie Jackson is uh, right on the borderline, playable in all formats uh, as a Jamal Murray replacement. Skylar Mays is also kind of borderline, but I think he's a go because generally hunting point guard stats is a good thing to do. Malcolm Brogdon, Scoot, both out on that one. Jonathan Kaminga is a is a hard maybe. I, honestly, I don't know why he's not on the watch list. I put him in the injury replacements because I guess I was feeling saucy when I wrote this up. But he's also someone that I probably would just see how it goes first. That was a weird decision by me. What were you thinking, Dan? Al Horford, uh, Porzingis might be back, so perhaps this one falls on its face before it has a chance to run. But we did get to see him put up a big line last time, and you know Porzingis is going to miss some other game this year. Nick Batum was hoping to be back in only two games out. It sounds like he's going to miss at least one more. 
So Rob Covington, who played 30-some-odd minutes in the last one, and if he can get anything remotely close to that, he's a massive fantasy guy. Alec Burks, I put on the injury replacement board instead of just the traditional ad board because I do think his role dries up when Boyan Bogdanovich comes back, which is supposed to be in the next couple of weeks, but I'm good with it for a week or two. And then Dyson Daniels, who I know everybody's talking about Jordan Hawkins, but Dyson Daniels is the guy for me, man. He's inside the top 80 over this last week since he's moved into the starting lineup. I love the steals. I love the boards. I love the assists. I love the fact that he's not going to completely detonate your percentages. Friends, I'm becoming a Dyson Danielsophile. I think my Aussie listeners are probably happy to hear that. I like him way more than Jordan Hawkins and Nine Cat as your fill-in. Because I think the Pels like what he does defensively and just sort of to orchestrate. Some buy lows and some sell highs. I know we talked about a few names earlier this week, and a lot of them have actually already cashed in our buy low show from earlier this week on guys like Brooke Lopez and Dame. I think there was one other that also hit. Sell high yesterday. Uh, that was later in the day, so that one hasn't fully clicked yet. So I, I, those names actually, I think, poured it over pretty well. The buy low board is Jared Allen, who at some point the minutes cap is coming off. Walker Kessler, who I think everybody has forgotten about. Because Keontae George got in there. That's all anybody's talking about in Utah. But Keontae George seems like a perfect guy to help Walker Kessler get rolling when he comes back in there, Presu- you know, assuming his elbow is better. And then as far as the Clippers go, I think you can probably buy on Harden and Kawhi right now, or you could wait a little bit longer and maybe the price gets better. The sell names, there's a couple of parallels from yesterday. Chet Holmgren already had a little bit of a slippage game. Uh, he's in the 90 range over the last week because he's human, and you kind of knew this stuff was coming. He's still number 15 overall because the first two weeks were first-round level, but he's leveling off. That's the important thing to know, and he'll probably drop back into the 30s. So if you can get something in the 20s, you probably do it. Herb Jones, he'll fall back at some point because, again, he's shooting the ball exceptionally well right now. The steals and blocks are very, very high. Maybe they stick, but they probably come down a little bit. I think if you could get somebody, and and the problem, of course, is that I don't know that anybody really trusts that Herb is going to be this good all year. You probably need him to continue rolling another week or two, and then you could probably cash in on Herb if you wanted to. And then Jordan Clarkson, who's still not really a fantasy value on the season overall. I think he's number one, 190-something. But over the last week, he's put up some pretty big scoring numbers. I think he's actually number eight over his last two ball games. You know that ain't sticking. He's shooting 63% from the field, 1,000% at the free throw line. He's hit them all, 1,000%, 100%, shooting 1,000. He's averaging two and a half defensive stats, three threes and 28 points. Can you get something for Lava Hot Jordan Clarkson? If you can get a top 90 player for him, you do it. And that, I believe, is your week in review part of the show. But we still have a look-ahead portion to do. So don't leave us yet. And while I'm pulling up the uh, Friday card for you guys to watch on the YouTubes, please do again take five seconds to like... Hit that thumbs up button. I can even, you might even, that's my toe thumb. Here, you want to see the more normal one? There's the normal one. There's the little stubber toe thumb. Uh, Just take a second. That's it. That's all I'm asking to like and subscribe and help us continue to move this freight train along here. That's so easy. 
That's as long as it takes me to get this thing ready to present on the screen anyway. All right, here's what's coming up tonight. Uh, I actually put a lot of this out on social media already, so feel free to cruise on over there if you want to see some of this stuff written down. Um, there's a lot of games. What is it, 11-game Friday? Yep, 11-game Friday. Um, I managed to get through the board quicker than expected, so we might actually have some time for questions today. For the Knicks, Josh Hart we talked about. Wizards, it's pretty much the whole team. Uh, the Bucks, we talked about Bobby Portis. For the Hornets, it's really a, the Miles Bridges thing. And I know I don't necessarily, I say I don't want to pick him up. I'm probably not going to do that. But there's going to be a lot of stuff around him that you're going to want to assess. What does it do to Gordon Hayward? What does it do to P.J. Washington if you're in a slightly deeper league? Does it do anything to Mark Williams? Like, does it, does it push him up? Does it push P.J. up to center? Does that squeeze Williams at all? Uh, we know Rozier's not, still not back. So there's sort of more yet to occur. Gordon Hayward, I think, is actually a game-time decision, so there's that also. But there's a lot of fallout stuff here to uh, kind of assess. Celtics, uh, Porzingis was present at shoot-around. So was Jalen Brown. So I'm going to assume both of those guys are good to go. If they are, sorry, Big Al. You'll have to wait for your next opportunity. Raptors, we didn't talk about much. Jakob Pertl had one good ball game despite Precious Achua being around. So hopefully that's something that can stick. Pirtle is inside the top 90 over the last week. Still hasn't moved his full season number up all that far, but he's sitting just outside the top 110, which is, again, more than good enough to get the job done. So don't freak out about Pirtle. Uh Keep trying to come up with nice puns there. Doesn't seem like anybody's really filling in for OG or Gary Trent right now, which seems odd. Seasons past, you might see them go big and run Chris Boucher a little extra, but meh. By the way, we do have confirmation that Russell Westbrook is now going to be coming off the bench. So James Harden remains in the starting lineup. Russ coming off the bench. Uh, this is looking a lot like what the Lakers were trying last year. Let's see if the Clippers can pull it off together. Uh, I might have let Harden come off the bench for a little bit to settle in, but I, you know, they want to see how they want to force the pieces to work together as fast as possible, even if that means you bought them out quicker. We shall see. <coughs> Whoops! Took a deep breath and coughed. Sixers. We talked about the Batum Rob Covington thing. DeAnthony Melton rolling has been a fun little uh, last week subplot. He's pushed himself up to number 141. And over the last week, he's number 58. Yay! You knew it would come. This is why he was on the tough holds board for so damn long. Because it was just a matter of time. What else we got going on? Uh, Hawks, where's Bogdan going to end up? It's interesting to me. Kings, nothing, really, now that uh, Fox is back. Nothing. Talked about Herder already. Spurs, this is a team that I've largely avoided, and I don't feel all that bad about it. Wembenyama is, to no one's surprise, the best fantasy value on the team so far this year, but even he's barely inside the top 60 due to bad percentages and very high turnovers. Obviously, you like 19 points, 9 boards, and 2.5 blocks, but there's got to be other stuff that goes with it. I think for a long time, Vassell was the second highest ranked Spur. Yeah, he's at 88, but he's out. Keldon Johnson, the efficiency started to wane. He's now outside the top 115. 
Jeremy Sohan is 199. Trey Jones is 130, but he's hurt. If teams don't have efficiency, it's hard to put up nine cat numbers. That's just the Spurs right now. It's why I dodged almost all of them this year. I'm trying to think of, I have nine fantasy teams. I don't think I have one San Antonio Spur on any of them. No, that's not true. I have a couple of Zach Collinses. He's number 127. A lot of that's because his turnovers are at almost three, um, which to me still feels like a number that's probably going to come down. Uh, and the free throws at 72, you kind of hope that those maybe tick up a little bit. But even Zach Collins isn't putting up giant numbers. Feels better than it is because the turnovers and a lot of people don't really pay attention to those. But anyway, uh, Pistons. We talked about Bagley. We talked about Stewart. We talked about Burks. Cavaliers, uh, we talked about Jared Allen as a buy low. And Lavert Nuggets, we talked about Reggie Jackson. Pels, I spent a bunch of time on Dyson Daniels, Jordan Hawkins, and Herb Jones, so I think we're pretty good on that. Jonathan Eisenguach for the Magic. The Bulls, um, you know, you're going to start having to sort of weigh in your mind whether or not it's worthwhile to sit on a guy like a Kobe White, who over the entire season so far, hasn't really been close to fantasy value. He's number 184 on 12 points, three boards, and four assists with a steal on bad field goal percent and uh, okay free throws, but isn't really helping you all that much. But he stands to benefit in a ridiculous way if any stars get traded. What do we think the odds are that that happens in the very near future? The Bulls looked bad so far this year. DeMar was out and they looked worse. They're 4-8. and eight. They can't win on the road. They're barely winning at home. How long before they blow it up? Well, you got to figure that they're going to wait and try to get some sort of assets back. They're not going to rush this thing. They don't have to. So I, I just I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I, I feel like the Bulls are going to try to squeeze this thing a little bit longer. And in my eyes, that's too much time to sit on a guy who's not helping you at all. But you guys can disagree. There, there isn't a right answer necessarily to that question. Lakers, I don't think there's really anything. I mean, I know we talked about Cam Radish a little bit, but there's really nothing to watch on the Lakers. Blazers, not a whole lot either. I could spend some time talking about this sort of fantasy disconnect on Shaden Sharp, who's number 144 in 9-cat, but people are doing a lot of celebrating uh, he's a points league guy right now. Turnovers are high. Field goal percent is incredibly low. But the points, threes, rebounds are all decent enough. And so that's kind of floating the value on him on the points league side. But 9-cat, he hasn't actually been an asset to this point. Kind of a weird twist. Surprise, surprise of the day. Suns, nothing, because Beal is doubtful. As soon as he plays, then we'll want to watch them. But he hasn't. In the last game, probably, again, won't in another one. Do, do, do. Jazz, we talked about Keontae George, Jordan Clarkson, Walker Kessler, covered them already. Rockets, that's a team I didn't talk about. I should have put Tari Eason on the watch list because he's looked really good, but his minutes have been super low. He's playing 16 and a half minutes of ball game. That ain't going to be enough. Now, the nice thing about Eason is that he can rack up fantasy stats pretty quickly, so 23-24 minutes might actually be enough to get him there. But is he going to get 23 or 24 minutes? And Amen Thompson isn't even around yet. So, eh? 
And then the Clippers, well, we just got the report that Russ is coming off the bench. I don't know that it changes what he is all that much, which is a guy that you close your eyes and you pray he doesn't ruin your percentages. His turnovers are going to be high. He's going to be far better in points leagues. He's averaging almost two steals a game right now, which is a number that you know is coming down. Russ is a sell, although on this news, people are going to be panicking. And so rather than a buy, I think I'd probably just say, if you have him, you're probably stuck with him for a little bit. And if you don't, probably just don't worry about Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. This probably does help James Harden because now he is really the point guard in the starting five. It's not Russ anymore. So Harden's assists probably improve. He's going to be running a lot of pick and roll with Kawhi, with Paul George, with Zubots. Uh, and they're going to put in more. I didn't hear. Actually, I try to flip through the Twitter while I'm doing a live show. I didn't see who they're going to be replacing him with. My guess would be Terrence Mann, but I, I didn't see the official report on that yet. You guys in the chat room can probably get me that piece of data while I'm yammering about all this stuff. Does it change Russ's numbers at all? No, I think just like time will change his numbers because you don't figure the two steals are going to stick. And then if everything else stays in that same ballpark, then he falls outside the top 100, which I kind of figured was going to happen anyway. Um, but this is probably your opportunity to move on Harden before he becomes the actual point guard. And then numbers start to go up. And that is your review and preview and I did it fast enough where I left us some time to do a few questions. Let's scroll all the way up to the top. By the way, about 100 of you hanging out with us right now, which I appreciate. That's a number that is pretty, that's a lot higher than it was last year. You can see the, the growth just daily here. Um, again, please like, rate, subscribe. I know a handful of you are thinking about doing it, so just freaking do it because it means a lot. I think only like 20 of you have actually hit the button, which is crazy. There's way more of you that have uh, been a part of this thing so far. Come on. All right, let's do some questions. Who would you bench between D'Lo, LaMelo, DeJounte Murray, and Drew Holiday? Oh, uh, this is a very specific weekly battle question. You want assists and assist-to-turnover ratio while maintaining your lead in free throw percentages and steals. Oh, well... Um, D'Lo, I mean, I guess, man, this is like, uh, LaMelo is not going to be your best assist to turnover guy there. That's for damn sure. Holiday and, and Russell are probably better in that department. Straight assists. You're going to want LaMelo ball. Free throws, all of these guys are okay. Drew Holiday's been the one that's that's kind of bounced around with his free throw stroke throughout his career. He's at 81 this year, which should be enough. D'Lo's at 83. Where's LaMelo's free throw number at this season? He's in the 80s, right? Yeah, 84. Damnable fly. Get out of this room, fly. And DeJounte's at 82. So I don't know that there's really much of a difference in free throws with any of those guys. So you're probably just weighing... How badly do I want assists, or how badly do I want assists to turnover? And uh, that would probably put DeJounte Murray on your bench between those guys. I mean, the steals thing, that hurts because he's a big steals guy, but um, he's your probably weakest in assists slash assist to turnover, even if he's good 
at steals, and everybody's kind of equal in free throw. So I unfortunately, I think it's DeJounte there. I know, weird. This person's name is just Hello. I feel like Uncle Leo on Seinfeld. Hero and Levert or Middleton for Kuzma? Is the deal fair considering Hero is hurt? I don't want Kuzma. Kuzma's a sell guy for me right now. He's number 96, and he's on the way down. If you can get Tyler Hero, that's who I want. He'll be back in the next couple of weeks, and he's way better than anybody else in this trade. Is OG Ananobi a buy low? Yeah, he probably is. He's hurt, and it doesn't sound like he's going to play because he wasn't really using his right hand. But I believe his steals and free throw percent are both going to go up. So, yes, I would call him a buy low. He's currently ranked around number 80. He probably gets up into the 50 range as the season goes. Uh, if you can get him for someone in the 60s or 70s, I think you'd do it. The question here is about doing a two-for-one. I don't know that you're going to get him for a two-for-one, but if you did, you'd probably use two guys that are ranked pretty close to what he is right now, which is late 70s, early 80s. So um, Denny Avdia and Karis Levert, Jalen Suggs and Onyeko Kongwu. I don't think two-for-ones work these days, but that's kind of the range you're looking at. Should I trade DeMar DeRozan for Jaron Jackson? Yes. Who would you say is the first drop out of Bruce Brown, Derek Lively, or Kobe White? It's Kobe White. The other two guys are ranked around 105, and Kobe's 80 slots behind them. And I get it. Josh and I just talked on this show yesterday about how, like, the difference between the number 25 guy and the number 31 guy, it's really nothing because a lot of it is team fit. But the difference between 100 and 180, that's something. How long will you hold Clay in a 14-teamer? Almost the whole damn season. 14 teamer, you're just there's no chance you're finding somebody on the wire who has his upside. Hey Dan, is Franz Wagner going to be fringe top 100? Well, what was he last year, guys? I don't mean to be a butthole about it or snide or somewhat sarcastic, but I would remind you all that Franz Wagner last year was number 107 per game. And there really wasn't any change in Orlando to suggest he was about to do a whole bunch more. He's number 125 this year. Field goal percent probably comes up. That gets him back around to where he was. So, yes, fringe 100, probably accurate. Hey, Dan, with a full injured list and more injured players, what do you do about Ben Simmons? Probably a drop if your injured list is full. Dude wasn't inside the top 100. It's not like he was blowing the roof off the building this year prior to having to sit out, and he's going to be a headache probably all year. So, honestly, I don't have any problem with you dropping him even if he wasn't hurt. Can Tobias Harris maintain top 40? Yes, provided the Sixers don't bring in another preeminent scorer. But this is where Tobias was before they brought in Harden. He's just now gone back to old Tobias. I would venture to say he's having fun again. Kind of like John Collins in Utah. Happy Friday, Dan. Happy Friday, Max. How long would you wait out the Charlotte situation with Bridges coming back today, specifically in reference to P.J. Washington? Washington, I don't think, is a 12-teamer. I don't think he's a 12-teamer without Miles Bridges, and I definitely don't think he's a 12-teamer with him. He's a schedule stream guy whose free throw percent hurts. I do think his defensive stats could creep up a little bit, but the minutes are likely to come down a tad. Um, you know, I think you're looking at someone who's ranked between 100 and 150 as the season goes, which in a lot of formats is just not going to matter. 
this question got started, abandoned, and then started again. What are the chances that Mikel Bridges doesn't make it to the top 30 this season, starting to feel like last year's top 10 run in Brooklyn was a bit of a mirage? Um, so he wasn't really a... He was a top 10 guy for like the first week and a half in Brooklyn, but he was more like top 25, top 30 for his overall time in Brooklyn, which I think is still something you could probably aim for with him. Uh, I think he's at 60 right now, which I think we all were hoping for better than that. Uh, Honestly, as a lot of names level off, his 60 rank probably creeps up into the 40s anyway. But one of the big reasons you drafted Bridges at the end of the second round was because you expect him to play 80 or 82 games. So even if he ends up at like 35 or 40 per game, that'll still put him at or above his ADP by totals. And that was always kind of the appeal with him was probably won't beat his ADP per game and probably will by totals. <laughs> I'm not going to throw this one up on the screen, but baby, stay flow. Keep, ki- keep cooling, man. Keep cooling. Best stream options for the weekend for blocks and steals. I'm in a close fight, and I'm going to drop Levert. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I'll admit, I haven't looked at who's playing a back-to-back over the weekend since our Monday show, so that is now officially out of my head. Um, I can try to pull that up quickly while we're talking. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it all that fast. Uh, Let's see, who's playing a back-to-back over the weekend here it is 18th and 19th dallas as a back-to-back over the weekend so Derek lively is obviously a really good choice there memphis if you wanted to go the aldama or david roddy route assuming that you think marcus smart is out those guys might give you a couple of defensive stats the thunder go over the weekend i don't know that there's an obvious grab there and i think those are the three teams that have two games i wouldn't drop karis lavert though you may regret that one. Dan, can you do a fun story time segment on the show at least once a month? Good God, you guys know I'd love to just tell silly stories on here. People crush me when I walk away from the fantasy for even a few minutes. People lose their minds. Which reminds me, I need you guys to lose your wallet over at manscaped.com. Use promo code ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Holiday season is the perfect time to do it. Get something now. Don't worry about it later. And you can get a bunch of stuff, actually. If you've got a bunch of dudes in your life that are hairy or even hairy-ish, go get them lawnmowers. You can get the old lawnmower. It's on sale because the new one came out. Do whatever you need to do over there. Manscaped.com, Ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping. Knock out like a third of your holiday shopping today without even having to stop and worry about it. It's so simple, and the stuff is really, really good. Whoever you get it for is going to be thrilled to get it because... They'll never have to get another face or body razor as long as they live, basically. That's a hell of a gift. And it's kind of dumb that they make such good products because people don't have to replace them. Unless they want to get the new model, I guess. Fun story time. I'll think about it, bud. If I can, I mean, if something silly happens in my life, I'm probably going to talk about it. Who can I trade Michael Porter Jr. for? Uh... He had a bad ball game, and he dropped a little bit. Now he's number 51. Um, I mean, you could probably get most players in the 60 to 70 range for him. How badly do you want to, though? I don't think you're going to get somebody higher. And people don't like packages. If you can pull it off, I 
Mm. Two for ones are impossible these days. Hey, Dan, how would you feel about the trades below? Porzingis for Freddie Van Fleet or Devin Vassell for Cade Cunningham? I think I'd rather have... Porzingis for Van Vliet is fair in my eyes. And then I think I'd rather have Cade over Vassell because i got to believe at some point that turnover number comes down. Oh, boy, this is a complicated one. Dan, I need field goal, percent, rebounds, and threes. So you need two big man stats and one not big man stat. In a punt points team, buddy, this is a little specific. I could pick up Mitch Robb and Trey Murphy. Who to drop him? I mean, Trey Murphy's not playing. Oh, it's Roto, so you'd be squatting on him. Who do I drop out of Tyus Jones, Markel Fultz, Gordon Hayward, or Clay Thompson? Well, if you need threes, you're not dropping Clay Thompson because at some point he's going to start making a bunch. Hayward, you're not dropping. Probably Fultz for Mitchell Robinson. I can get behind that one. There's your move. What do I do with Austin Reeves? He's a hold. Is Middleton a hold? I said specifically, don't draft Chris Middleton on this podcast like 15 times during the preseason. Now you're stuck with him, man, because it's this sunk cost theory. If Chris Middleton ever gets up into the mid to high 20s in minutes, he'll obviously be a fantasy play, but he's stuck at 19 minutes a game right now. You're probably just going to have to wait it out. Sorry, bud. Should I pick up Terrence Mann and drop KCP? No. Terrence Mann never does enough for more than a game or two in fantasy. He just he just doesn't have the right profile. Would you trade Kyle Kuzma and Darius Garland for Devin Booker? Yes. Troy called me Thunder Dan. That's actually Dan Palio, although I appreciate it. Do you think Cade turns things around? Not, not to where folks wanted him. Here's, I was thinking that he has the potential for close to first-round value when I drafted him in the 40s. Yeah, he never did, man. He never did. He never did. He was always a build guy. If you took him in the 30s, early 40s, you were like, I'm punting free throws. Because that was the way that he beat that mark. I do think he's going to be a lot better than he is right now. Steals and blocks should probably come up. If you're looking at the first couple seasons, or season and a fraction in the NBA... His steals and blocks were definitely higher. Uh, but that field goal percent is going to be bad. It has been. He's shown us nothing to make us think it won't be, especially when he has no one helping him score around him. All right, I'm going to start scanning the chat room now for questions that I think can apply to everybody. So apologies to Chan, because you were the person that got cut off. You were the next one on the board, but I'm jumping over that because it's a trade question. Uh, here's one. Coolably or Derek Lively... Who's the pickup? Uh, I think I like Lively there. What do you expect from Trey Murphy this season? Well, provided the Pelicans always have some key guy hurt, uh, top 90 seems pretty attainable for him, but it's going to take a little time to get there because remember, he hasn't really been playing at all lately. Is Dyson Daniels a straight ad or an injury replacement? Probably more of an injury replacement, but... I think McCollum's out for a while, so I wouldn't worry too much about it right now. Will Kawhi's stock rise from where it is right this second? Yes. Yes. Here's an interesting one. Where do you think Zach Levine gets traded? I feel like he could end up in Philly, but they can't do anything for a little bit. Because all the stuff they just got for in the Harden trade, I think it all has to sit for like a month. I forget what the exact rule is there. But the nice thing is, wherever he goes, he's still going to get to do stuff. Wherever he goes, he'll have a role. So don't worry about it. Um, Let's see here. 
Do you prefer Bilal or Keontae George? Uh, I'm going to go Keontae George. Can I get anything for Bradley Bum? Bradley Beal. No, you can't get anything right now. You need him to play and actually give you like two good weeks before you can move off of him. Sorry, VP. I only have him on one team. Thank the good Lord. All right, let's see if anything else applies to everybody here. Uh, What do you think the long-term ranking for Trey Murphy and Markel Fultz is going to be? Well, I'm hoping that each guy can get to around 90. Oh, here's an interesting question. How significant are two-for-one deals in a 16-teamer compared to a standard 12? Uh, I would say on the whole, they are less helpful because it becomes harder and harder to find that replacement-level player. So definitely something you want to be doing in 12. The only thing you want to be doing in 10-teamers and 8-teamers is two-for-ones. As it gets deeper, you have to start thinking, all right, who is this whack dude I'm going to have to stick on my bench in the open spot? Beginning of the season, I think you can still pull it off because names are still popping up, but boy, by midseason, you're mostly just filling in guys with injury replacements. Is it more difficult to catch someone in field goal percent or steals the rest of a week? Uh, probably steals. But I don't know what your league looks like. Um, Let's see here. He's shooting through things. What about trading Marcus Smart for Walker Kessler? I don't think that's going to be enough, but I would try to start exploring what it would take to get Walker Kessler, though. Hmm. What about Kristaps Porzingis versus Kawhi Leonard or Julius Randle? Uh, in this one, I think I'd prefer Kawhi over Porzingis over Randle. That's my order there. Do you prefer Bane or Kawhi? Uh, this one's too, this one's too hard. They're so different. I think Bane, if you want to make, if it's head to head, you probably want the guy that you trust is going to be trying to play, but man, things are getting funky in Grizztown. Probably Kawhi. Let's see. Trying to find questions again that apply to large chunks of you. Would you prefer Jalen Johnson or Jalen Williams? I think Jalen Williams for me. Uh, let's see. Who should I keep between Cam Thomas, CJ McCollum, or both? I think Cam Thomas is back sooner, but you're trying to hold both. How long do you think Marcus Smart is out? Honestly, I don't know. I haven't seen any report on it. I would guess a week or two, but we haven't seen a whole lot of reporting, and Memphis is typically terrible about injury reporting. And I think that's going to have to do it. Uh, oh, here's here's one last good one. Who has regular or better rest-of-season value, Jabari Smith Jr. or Santi Aldama? I'll go Jabari Smith Jr. because he's your sort of full-time starter. Uh, but fantasy profile-wise, if we can get Aldama f better minutes, like if the Grizzlies decide to at some point pull the plug this year, but I don't think we're that close to that yet. I said something about the vibes going down the tank in Memphis when Steven Adams went out and, and a lot of fans jumped down my throat, but... When Steven Adams was ruled out for the year, that was like the death blow. All right. I think that's it. I uh, don't know if we're going to have time for a show this weekend. I'll try to get one going tomorrow. That would be the best opportunity. Sunday is like kids' Little League stuff basically the entire day. Friends in from out of town. Thanksgiving week, all that stuff begins. Um, but we will try to get something going tomorrow. Maybe we can do the Let's Make a Deal episode. Last week we did one with Scotty Barnes and... And folks seem to find that entertaining. 
Feel free to throw stuff in the comments after the show is over. I finally caught up yesterday. Six weeks of comments that I didn't answer, uh, and I did it. So I'm all caught up there and uh, would love to hear from you guys after the fact. Again, please, Lord, on your way out, like and subscribe. I don't know why this is something that is so complicated. There's so many more of you watching than have actually hit either of those buttons. I beg of you, do it. Also, find me over on social at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Have a great weekend in case we can't get a show going. Hopefully we will. Talk to you guys soon one way or the other. Later for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.